0: Hello, I'm David Moskrop. Welcome to Open to Debate, brought to you by Interact. The last few months have been all COVID all the time. That's included our day-to-day lives, the news cycle, and this show. But this week, we're going to take a break from all the pandemic talk and get back to our usual open-to-debate discussions to give you some new and different content. This episode was recorded prior to the pandemic, so please keep that in mind. As you listen, Canadians like to tell themselves stories about the serene, progressive country they call home. In certain imaginations, Canada is immune to the social and political toxicity we find around the world, especially that which we find to our south. And yet, a cursory glance at our past and our present tells another tale. Racial prejudice is embedded in Canadian minds and in Canadian institutions. Comparisons to jurisdiction in which that prejudice is more widespread or more pronounced does not absolve this country of our own racial biases and hatreds. What we need to do is confront the question, is Canada racist? I'm joined by Erica Eiffel, economist, writer, entrepreneur, and co-host of the podcast, Bad and Bitchy.
1: Hi. Hello.
0: How's Let's, it going? Good. I, I'm going to throw you right into this with okay. the title question.
1: So no footsies?
0: Well, we we can, but if we're going to dismantle racial prejudice in Canada.
1: Okay. We'll do it without the foreplay. Well, we
0: just get to work is what I mean. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Is Canada racist?
1: Is water wet? Is the sky blue? Is the earth round? Go on. Oh. Hey, speaking of which, uh, you know there was a flat earther who died because
0: <laughs> I do. <laughs> made itself made his own rocket.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. The Darwin Awards. We need those to be televised.
0: Yeah, I, I just regret that he didn't live to prove that the Earth was flat.
1: <laughs> well So yes. Canada is, you know, um it's basically birthed and weaned on white settler colonialism which is just another form of white supremacy
0: i've been told that that's a slur
1: oh i know <laughs> i know like okay boomer it's like the n-word david <laughs> don't you know We have to
0: put the explicit <laughs> notification on this episode <laughs> so that people can
1: we're gonna earn that e-rating
0: <laughs> if we're, well look if we're gonna go for it let's just go for it yeah i uh, but I mean, it, it it's funny. So let, let's start with this settler thing. I've written about this just recently saying that, look, you're probably a settler if you're in Canada, and non-indigenous. Yep. Uh, and the reaction from people was uh, vicious and visceral, which I understand because, you know, white people don't like being called anything but neutral.
1: Well, they're just people, just, just people, David. Just default. <laughs> like, it's default the rest setting. of us who default have setting. the asterisk next to people. But this
0: is where I want to start, though, is that when we ask a question, is Canada racist, we're not, saying, we're not asking, is every single Canadian who walks down Young Street or walks down the, the, through the Glebe in Ottawa or, or in Kits in mm-hmm. Vancouver – in, you know, walking around shouting epithets or, or deliberately not hiring racialized folks, right? It's a, we're, we're asking whether or not our structures are oppressive yeah, and racially and, prejudiced. Yeah, and
1: race is systemic. It's a systemic issue. It's not, I mean, the way we've couched it, it's, it's as though it's an individual failing. And that puts a lot of onus on an individual who operates and is born and educated into a structure that is made to benefit white people over everybody else, as well white men yeah. over everybody else, heterosexual white men over everybody else. Or everybody as else call, is just a fraction. As of we call the them, just male. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, so. people. Just, just, and so um, your pushback because I saw that on Twitter, and uh, you know I've faced the same sort of you know backlash even in. Supporting what you were saying in your article, somebody came in and was like, well, I don't think that I, 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 I. As soon as you hear somebody say, I don't feel that way or I don't think that, they're just operating on that individualism, individualistic basis and ignoring the fact that there is not one of us that doesn't need to sort of decolonize our our thought processes, right? Even like I had a conversation with um an indige- an indigenous woman recently. And we were just talking about how we need how we struggle to decolonize our own thoughts. I mean, I'd have to actively decolonize my anti-black thoughts. Right. Because right. I grew up in this country. I was born here, I grew up here, and I know how how the impression of a flesh-toned Laurentian pencil crayon huh. feels. I know what that's like. By the way, if you guys haven't read uh, Desmond's Cold, The Skin We're In, I suggest you pick it one up.
0: Yeah. The, s- the best-selling nonfiction book in Canada. Best-selling
1: uh, nonfiction yeah, book in at Canada. At least on the
0: week uh, th- yeah. that we recorded this. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I, I have to say, I mean, I haven't read it yet. Uh, it is my March break reading. Oh, good. After I, I worked through some Chris Hedges and some Carl Polanyi. Oh, look at so that. So I'm just getting into the mood. And I, well, let's talk about the Laurentian, the flesh colored Laurentian pencil crayon. Cause we've been joking about white male being the default. Mm-hmm. And yet and people say, "Wow, well, I mean, come on, now that's not very fair." Flesh-colored uh pencil crayons are a very particular color, aren't they? They uh, are they the color of your flesh? No. No, they're the color of my flesh, yes, aren't they? Yes. Yes. Imagine that.
1: Yes, imagine that.
0: But this pervades all kinds of things. Are we yeah. talking fashion? We're talking
1: Yeah, everything. So uh, the fact is is that um what we are taught uh as good and bad, good and evil, Um, All of these binary things, because for white supremacy to actually function, it needs an antagonist. Mm -hmm. You know, usually Black and Indigenous are antagonists to white supremacy. So in order for Black and Indigenous people to sort of succeed in this type of, of, of constraint in this sort of society... They have to be more and more and more and more like the white supremacy ideal. That means maiden-like like like white women. It means um, whatever caricature we have for white men, um, in control, successful, um, tall, tall, not too loud, right? Not aggressive, blah, 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 blah. So then the proximity to whiteness becomes its own value within these communities. And so um, that's why you see more light-skinned Black people on TV Mm -hmm. instead of dark-skinned Black people and Indian people and Asian people, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not, it's not, uh, I mean, I was thinking last night, people will, will, will have this white people will have this battle about who's more racist. Like, yeah. and, and you're just like, that's not the point, And that's not the right question because at the end of the day, <laughs> once the British came in. The die was cast, right? right? You know, the sun didn't set on the British empire. What does that mean? It means that they were at the epicenter of power, and it's these power relationships that keep um, reinforcing the racial hierarchy.
0: And quite literally, the empire was so large. Yeah. It encompassed a country or a place where it was day at all times. Yeah. Which leads you to believe that what happens if there was someone there already? <laughs> <laughs> you, know. I, you know, it's funny. It, I, I suspect people listening to this, some, of, some folks listening to this will have – Will bristle a little bit, and yet I, I would say challenge yourself to think about if, you, especially if you're, say, a white man, how it is the case that the world just sort of seems calibrated to you. It, it, this is one of the you talk about decolonizing your mind or purging your mind of of racial prejudice. Yeah, part of that starts, I think, at saying, gee, when I get up in the morning, when I walk outside, when I watch television, when I go to the shop, when I deal with the police, et cetera, et cetera, when I'm when I'm in a job interview everything seems to be sort of just okay. It seems calibrated to me and, and can't, and and folks can't make the empathetic leap to think, well, what happens if I looked a little different?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so when we see these, these, these issues flare up in media, um, they are also uh, calibrated to look like an exception to the rule. So when, 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 um, the Bank of Montreal in BC, in yeah. Vancouver, handcuffed uh, a child and then called the police on them because they didn't believe- The child and, and their
0: grandparent or something, wasn't it? Was yeah, it, it was a
1: child and the grandparent because they didn't believe this indig- these, these indigenous people had any money. Uh, that is, it's not- I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't say it's not the fault of the individual. I will say it's an expected outcome given the structure of this country. Yeah. And so then you you compare that to um a 6-year-old in Toronto, I think she was 6, who was um handcuffed because they were misbehaving in school and the pol- and the school teachers called the police. And then you you pivot down to the States in Miami or in Florida, sorry, where the same thing happened. If you, if you saw online, this, I couldn't watch it. Yeah. Yeah. All these three incidents are, do not occur in discrete methods. They're a continuum of a structure and that structure has been built over time. So I think that, Before – first of all, I also want to say if you – if anybody listening to this is taking anti-bias training and they focus on the individual and not on the systemic issues and the structural issues, it's the wrong training. Well, well, let's pick up the structural thing
0: because one of the pushbacks from people uh, will be – well, I don't, I don't think that way or I don't go out of my way to think that way See, or I don't that, know any better. It's, me me, it's me, the me, 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 me. But how, are, how is the racial prejudice embedded in systems? I mean, you know, we, we, you talk about not even being able, to, for instance, go to a, a bank and open a bank account. Or if you're, you know, you're walking down the street in Toronto and you're racialized and you get carded. We think that's just a Bloomberg, New York thing, stop and frisk. We have uh, an analog here in Canada.
1: Yeah, yeah. And as they do in Britain, too. Right, I mean, so how do,
0: when we t- when we talk about these things being embedded in structures, what is it that we're talking about?
1: Um, it is well, it depends which which structure we're talking yeah, about, yeah. but usually it's in um, defense of the white majority's fear of um, the sort of barbarian at the gates, if you can think of it that way, right? So um, it is in the police force mm-hmm. and, and how the police force was created for um, slave patrols in the States and f- to move Indigenous people violently off the land in Canada and slave patrols in Canada. And so from that beginning, right, and the fact that it was like, like uh, what was it, the Northwestern Mounted Police, I believe it the was? The Northwest, yeah, Something Northwest, like that. I think. It w- that was formed... Um, after, you know, after the Irish, what the British formed for the Irish, right? To keep them in line. Yeah, And so once you have an institution that begins like that, that begins on the premise of race and racism and subjugation and violence, I'm not sure how you break out of that. Yeah. I don't know.
0: And so it's not surprising then to see years 150 years later give or take you're more likely to be stopped you're more likely to be charged you're more likely to be incarcerated if you're racialized we sort of say well, how is it that you know the prison population especially among indigenous folks yeah is disproportionate and then that often becomes a bludgeon that people say well look there's a problem yeah, but, but we make that problem but
1: people use outcomes to prove their theories all the time and sure. it's still bs like, yeah. like well, you
0: say this as an economist right yeah i like come at this yeah.
1: like you get you can't use an outcome to prove that your theory's right like right. that is the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard yeah but people do it all the time and you know the outcome um of a large indigenous well let's let's work backwards who are policed more yes right so if you are policed more you're more likely going to be caught for doing something wrong and if the system is that you are going to be um disproportionately punished mm-hmm. which is also there are many studies that have found i'm not i'm not going to relitigate this yeah right? the data's there the data's there yeah. i assume that your listeners aren't all twitter bots and so
0: no they're real people and they listen all the way through they're yeah. fantastic yeah they're lovely people
1: and hey listeners and um so so we already know that so once we get to the sentence thing the punishment phase yeah there's a reason why indigenous people and black people are disproportionately um, in prison. They're disproportionately targeted to be in prison.
0: It's like saying you hire more police and the crime rate goes up. And you say, well, wow, weird. Uh, we hired more cops and the crime rate yeah. went up. As if, well, perhaps they, having more police leads to more crimes being discovered.
1: A good reason why correlation and causation <laughs> yeah. aren't the same thing.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Now you sound like an economist. Yeah. And it
1: come out. And I, we'll co- Wait till I start talking about opportunity
0: cost. And- <laughs> well, well, like, you know what? Let's let's talk about opportunity cost. So let's talk about structural uh, racism and outcomes in light of that. Are it, it's surprising to me that people are surprised that when you decimate communities and you over police communities and you over incarcerate communities, that those communities can't build the capacities that you expect
1: them to have. Imagine that. But the other thing too is. I have to say do white people really know about community? Cuz there is this the television in, show. There there's this individualism that is just so I I find that the whole idea of existing in a community um is very much becoming more and more uh an immigrant and racialized experience. Mm. And so uh I, I I'm not sure if we're even speaking the same language when we talk about communities. And, um, you know, when I think of communities, I think about Heron Gates, for example, who, by the way, are having trouble um, paying their legal fees to stay mm. in their apartments are probably going to get kicked out at some point. So that's a little plug for them because why not? Yeah. Um, but this is a community of of, of immigrants who babysat for each other, who lived in a certain area and would trade off, you know, tasks and stuff for each other. You know what I mean? Your kids come home at this time, you, you take care of them this way. My point is, is that communities can in a certain way police themselves in a certain way. We don't have to always police communities. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder I would really, and I'm sure the studies out there, I'd really like to know how much, if if the presence of police even increases crime.
0: Sure. No, and, and I uh, the community question I find fascinating because I have a critique of liberalism, which is I, I'm sort of hostile to liberalism in a lot of you ways. You do? And, well, you know, all the kids are doing it these days. But you know, the, I think the individualism that liberalism encourages and underwrites... Mm-hmm. Encourages an erosion of community. It does. And and a focus on individualism. Yes. And I I do, this is, you know, this is where I, my, my sort of socialism gets bound up with a sort of old school Burke and Tory communitarian sure. vision yeah. that, that community is the thing we miss the most. It is the fundamental thing we lack the most. And a lot of our pathologies, a lot of our anger, a lot of our depression, anxiety, and so on, is probably and bound isolation. up in isolation and not having those communities.
1: Yes. Yes. I totally believe that this is, this is part of the problem. The other thing too is think about this. How many wide scale societal problems can we solve on an individual basis? Well, none. Okay. So we don't eat, we're not even equipped to deal. Think about climate change. Mm -hmm. If that's not a community response that's necessary, I don't even know what is. Oh, yeah. And and yet we are barbarded with, you know, what's her name? Um, Indigenous service, Carolyn Bennett. Yes. Who got on... Who got on Twitter and was like, well, I'm going to turn down my my uh, heat, my heat yeah. and put on a sweater and that's how I'm going to contribute to solving climate change. I was just like, what is that? That is just, you know what? That gets me upset. It doesn't work. It doesn't, it doesn't work, work and it puts the onus on the individual to solve something that should be community and society based. Mm -hmm. And it's unfair.
0: Yeah. Well, especially since uh, for a lot of communities, that's not an option,
1: right? Yeah.
0: I mean, it's funny. I grew up for a time in, I guess, what you'd call social housing. I'm trying to think of what what we call it uh, in Peterborough in the 1980s and 1990s. And we lived in social housing at one point. And I remember, I don't think at the time I would have thought of us as poor. I don't think I would have known what that was. But there was a community there. And I remember being happy and I've had times in my life where I uh, had very little by way of resources, but much by way of community and vice versa. And I have to tell you, I mean, obviously it'd be nice to have both. And, and now I have both, but it, given being forced to choose, I would choose community, so which indicates something that I think we, we often lose.
1: Yeah, I would too. Because so, there's nothing like a community. There isn't. There's nothing. People who are there for you. Yeah. We can't do everything by ourselves, and I think liberalism has 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 made this sort of, you know, this kind of like faux idea of success and what that looks like, and of
0: progress, of
1: progress, right? Yeah. Great.
0: We've got more, but we're less happy. Yeah. We call it progress.
1: Yeah, and I really do think is because along with that sort of progress came an erosion of community, and you know, you can. It's it's honestly awful. So l- let's
0: pick up this community point. I mean, say we, say, we didn't decide, okay, fine, this is community-based. The solutions need to be community-based. They need to be solidarity-based across solidarity. communities. Solidarity. If we're going to Woo-woo! address racism. Yes. How do we start to build solidarity across racial divides? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll take the example of me writing about uh, calling... I mean, not exclusively, but white people, settlers, not exclusively Mm -hmm. white people, but those were certainly the folks who were responding to me Mm -hmm. and they were saying, well, this, this undermines solidarity. This breaks apart solidarity. And I was sort of, my response was, well, I don't think
1: you were a likely ally anyway. If you're an ally and you're getting your feelings in, into the situation where I don't believe that I'm a bad, I don't think that it's not about you. And That individualism that we just talked about is part of what's underwriting this me, 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 me outlook. Yeah. And if it is all about you, then you don't know how to live in a community. You do not know how to be an ally. You are no ally. And, you know, people, you know, people are Show allyship until you step on their favorite. Okay. And this, this was definitely, I definitely saw that with liberal supporters after Trudeau and blackface. And so that is a very important, this, this is a watershed moment in Canadian political history, this blackface thing. Yeah. Identity and race and so on and so forth is not just about skin tone. I'm not sure if I were, like, when I say I'm Black, it's not just about skin tone. It's because my community recognizes me as one of theirs. And I get the sense that Indigenous communities work similarly. Like, you have to be invited into the community as one of theirs. You can't, you don't just belong just because you have the same race. You know, not all skin folk is kin folk. Right, right. saying
0: right, and you can't say I'm I'm one quarter, right? (laughs) You do you do a these these clowns do a DNA test. Oh my
1: god, I'm just like that doesn't. uh, But everything we do is meant to absolve white people of their own racial guilt. Yeah, and I'm just tired. I'm tired. I like it's exhausting, and nobody should be have to be made to do that work you are getting a good example of what that work looks like and how exhausting it
0: is. Sure. And, you but know, no, this isn't yeah. your
1: first rodeo either. No,
0: and I've been on the other side of it. You know, years ago, I, he won't remember this, but I will never forget it. I had an exchange with Desmond Cole on Twitter about pretty much this. Mm. And I was on the other side. Mm. And he was saying something to me that I just didn't understand. Mm-hmm. And it was basically as you just don't get this community. We don't. You don't get our positionality. Yeah. And I was saying things like, but you're alienating people. Right. And I wrote something in response. I shared it with a friend. I sat on it. I spiked it and I never went back to it. And in the days and weeks and months and now years since then, I've thought a lot about that exchange and subsequent ones. And now I understand it.
1: Mm -hmm. What didn't you understand then that you, that you have come to understand now?
0: That, that certain approaches to activism, that certain words, that certain terms, that certain ways of of protesting, arguing, whatever it might be, are legitimate and essential expressions of of a community that is is seeking justice. Right. That it, and that if you are outside that community, it can be extraordinarily hard to understand. And I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I I don't. I didn't understand Black Lives Matter. I think mm-hmm. in in twenty whatever it was. 16. 15, 16. Yeah. And, and I learned later listening and talking to people, but at the time I didn't understand it. I had that same knee-jerk reaction that people are now having to the word settler. So I understand why you might not get it. Mm-hmm. And, and and so now when I'm watching this play out in Canada, vis-a-vis not just Black Lives Matter, and, and but also Indigenous folks and others, I'm trying to understand how you get to people like me from a few years ago Mm. and build a movement that can induce structural change or whether or not that's even necessary. Or or at some point you say like, you know what, you would do your thing. You're not welcome here.
1: I, you know, so I'm glad we brought, brought up protesting. Cause I, I, I feel some way about this, but. I didn't want to write about it. <laughs> oh
0: well, ha- have at it.
1: <laughs> the this this media so-called quote-unquote debate about whether or not protests work is stupid. It's the stupidest conversation. Sorry, I feel like you guys talked about this with Elevate. I'm sorry. Last,
0: well, the last episode we recorded was why I protest, but no. you get you, no, 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 no. We don't do censorship here. We don't do censorship. Anyway,
1: anyway I, I I think about it because I'm like, look at the 20, even the twentieth century. Like, at the end of the day, I mean, change only comes from really challenging the system.
0: From, from agitation.
1: From agitation. Yeah. From discomfort. From what is what is. So one of my favorite MLK quotes. Is letter from a Birmingham jail hmm. where he talks about the white moderate and how the white moderate is more dangerous than the KKK member.
0: Funny that never comes up these days when uh, when people are talking about it, when white centers. About I know. Okay. I they've I forgotten know. that part of the I war. Know. They
1: never knew because <laughs> I was just I put it in a piece recently because I want because that is Canada. Canada is that white moderate which prefers the comforts of an injustice rather than the discomfort of justice. Canadians don't want, I, I just, justice is not something that we talk about in this country. Yeah. We just assume it. And um, protesting is what, what oh, another MLK quote, that a riot is the language of the unheard.
0: We've deradicalized MLK, haven't we? I mean the the those who mobilized. That's you Yeah, We yeah.
1: we we never forgot. No, no, no.
0: <laughs> no, I only speak for my community, <laughs> such as it is.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, yeah, defanged him and Rosa Parks because Rosa uh, Parks was oof. yeah freedom well, fighter. Uh, but this is what this is what
0: one of my retorts in the last couple days has been is that the things you are saying now. I th- I'm talking about those who have responded with "I'm not a centrist," I'm not a settler. I was born here. Uh, Thirty years from now, I think you'll look back on it and won't be proud of yourself. Yeah, right. If we assume there's going to be some progress on justice for Indigenous peoples in this country, I don't think a lot of people who are responding to the actions right now are going to look back on this period and be proud you of themselves.
1: Decide on which part of history you want to be on.
0: Yeah,
1: I know which part I want to be on. I know which part I am on, and I don't have any question. There was no question as to, oh, which side are you going to take? It's not about that. It's about understanding where we came from, where we are, and why this is happening. And it seems to me that nobody in mainstream media wants to do that work. Public
0: opinion about MLK and the civil rights movement uh, in the 1960s in the United States uh, wasn't on side was it no it wasn't what were they saying
1: they were he's too weren't they saying yeah, he was too, yeah, radical. too radical protests don't work yeah, it's not going to build da, solidarity it's not build solidarity you're alienating the people yes. who would who would otherwise support you yeah. we've heard that before i'm like me? imagine that it's like see the tactics never change that's the thing the tactics of white supremacy never change
0: so it's a matter of of recognizing those tactics and upsetting the status quo?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, what is the one thing that institutions hate the most? And that's change. Change. Okay. And light. Ah. They hate exposure because they're all supposed to be operating... I, within some sort of, of cloak and dagger sort of this is they just run they just run yeah. we just we just do our little part in the cog and that's it we don't need to be identified but damn straight they do I mean I think that I would I would be here for more like transparency when it comes to the people who are making the decisions cuz they need to own that and that's the thing why is it that we don't expect responsibility from those in power or accountability, and a lot of this a lot of what we're talking about, a lot of the sort of counter protests or whatever, are people who have everything laid out for them in terms of whiteness, and they're upset because somebody is asking for equity mm-hmm. and you're just, they're they're like <laughs> which is just. It's crazy to me. It's wild, but institutions hate being exposed, and so when you expose them, they they're scared. Mm-hmm. And so occupying BC legislatures and offices is so on point for like in my opinion, mm-hmm. aren't aren't they aren't they representing the people anyway? I I
0: well I, I think a lot of the, the direct action has been pretty tame actually. It's
1: been damn tame. I mean comp- this yeah, is not you know. this is not like okay, when I think of like not so tame direct action, I think about Pinochet, yeah. I think about those areas, yeah. right? revolt, Yeah.
0: People in the streets.
1: Exactly. There's like, no, there's like, I mean, to be fair with the rail blockades, I know I'm jumping around, um, to be fair, you got to ask yourself why it is that people occupying space close to a train, just like are crippling, a whole transportation system, sure. perhaps the tr- problem is the transportation system.
0: Well, we can have a whole episode on that. I mean, I, I. <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah. start thinking through these things, people. That's what I'm asking. But they chose those
0: places for a reason, too, right? I mean, this well,
1: is that's a n well, then they're getting their asses handed back to them. So good for them. Yeah, no, I, I can I, say ass, right? Yeah, okay. okay. I know. And thing is,
0: <laughs> its funny—is one of the line, one of the things I've been saying is, is to sort of politicians and commentators who say this is just a bunch of privileged middle class people. I'm like, this is first of all. Uh, that's not true. Second of all, this is February in Canada. People aren't going out and camping on railroad tracks in minus 15, minus 20 degrees because it's a laugh. It's not pleasant. Um, even, even though I, I marched here distortion not
1: distortion of the word privilege too.
0: Well, okay. Uh, you know what? Let, let's let take... I'm just picking up on on little threads here and chasing them. I know. I do the same. I want to chase this one, this privilege one, because... <laughs> one of the areas where i struggle a little bit when thinking about these things
1: i feel like i read this from you just today
0: the intersectionality thing
1: no well
0: so it's about the- you
1: about you in your piece we're talking about how settler like how this colonialism is ongoing yeah and how um it you know you're of privilege as a settler like i'm of privilege no you said i'm of privilege
0: yeah I, I, yeah
1: and but you hit the nail on the head which was yes, I struggled. Yeah. It doesn't mean I didn't have privilege. Yeah. Because you struggled more than most, I would guess. Probably. Right? Yeah. Most in this, you know.
0: Certainly in this yeah, in this world in of, this of, of who's world listening that we're and in, who's yeah, yeah.
1: Right. One of the best privileges for me, and one of the reasons I can do what I do, is cause I kind of grew up around white people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I speak their language <laughs> and, you know, they, you know, some of the terms I use, some of my references are very white. And so it kind of defangs me in a way. I'm less of the other. Next
0: you're going to tell me you golf.
1: Plus I have golfed once <laughs> and I hated it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's something.
1: It's, oh my gosh. I'm just, but I saw, I did see, I'm like, you know, some beers and some wine out here is a- yeah, that's like, that is the nice and, thing about. It. And then I'm like, I feel like I feel like one side of the golf course can have a barbecue and like a dance party. That's what they need to bring in for golf.
0: I'd, I, I would go back to. I'm playing. just
1: saying, it's a space.
0: No, but I didn't. No, you're right. I I grew up in extraordinarily difficult circumstances. Mm-hmm. Single mother, couple kids. She didn't get past high school. Later, she went back to school, sort of, to the Toronto School of Business. Uh, we didn't have much. In fact, I remember in the 90s, maybe early 2000s, we lived in Ontario. We had our hydro cut, some whatever, The during the winter. The heating was cut. Mm. And my mother called and said, I've got two kids here. We're freezing. What do I do? And the woman on the phone said to her, I suggest you invest in sweaters.
1: What a bitch.
0: Well, this is what I mean. So I, I And yet, I went to a very good school. I had very good role models. I had great friends. I had great teachers. I got loans to go to university. Mm -hmm. I I had access to books. I mean, I I struggled. I came from poverty. But I had the means to get out. I had the privilege to be able to get out from actually a fairly reasonable path.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Not everybody statistically is likely to have that. And if if you are racialized, indigenous and so on. The probability of you being in my position and getting out is is different, isn't it? It's
1: the proximity to whiteness.
0: Huh.
1: My proximity is Whiteness being things like
0: like levers of power. Levers of
1: power, the white social structure, all of that, you know? So for me, I feel quite comfortable, you know, walking wherever, being in certain spaces. I also grew up in... Alberta. So, you know, I'm used to conservative spaces. Mm-hmm. I don't like them per se, <laughs> but the point is, is that I can function pretty well in them and charm some people. And you there's know, an
0: emotional and, and tactical component.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this, um, there's this knowledge base when you're, you're
0: you speaking sp- their language.
1: Yeah. When you speak their language mm-hmm. and they think that your proximity to them is close enough that you can be trusted. Mm. And that's what it comes down to. Right. It's like, can we trust her to be one of us instead of one of them, as we think?
0: So how do we approach someone who says, the, "This, you know, I'm working class, I'm a working class white person. Uh, this, this all seems foreign to me because I have got my own struggles. I mean, how do you build solidarity when someone confronts you with that? And that's what I struggle with mm. because my response is always, if you are a white, a working class white person whose language I also speak because I lived that. I'm a class trader, but the other way, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, when, when someone says that to me and says, I'm a working you know, I'm working class. I'm trying to make it through the day. I'm not a settler. How dare you? I'm struggling too. My response to them is, you share a common enemy.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> with these
0: people but, Uh who are—I mean, these people. Yeah, <laughs> with, yeah, I know. What you know mean. what
1: I'm talking about. I, I, I <laughs> totally. Mean, I also said "bitch" on this podcast. Yeah. So there's that. <laughs> you know, with, you
0: know, with, with racialized folks, with indigenous folks, with, who are struggling. Yeah. The 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 impulse is to divide or to see division when it should be to see opportunities for solidarity. To say. Okay, why are, why is it like this for you? Why is it like it for me? And who do we blame? And who do we push back against?
1: I don't think that that is um, a foreign concept. I think it can be done. I all, but we also have to recognize that the history of labor struggles and labor movements is that the me the people with the means of production, the the capitalists, the whoever, whatever you choose to call them always put a wedge between the working class and the immigrants. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm saying immigrants as a historical way and, of course, freed Blacks. So those wedges were on purpose and the fact that they continue to exist, it's because they, they keep being exploited. And I think once media became really, really about... The shareholder and became really corporate. Once, um, you know, the NDP here, labor in in England, and the Democrats became really corporate. They lost that connection to the to the working cl- the white working class the, to the working class because the working class is not only white people. It's made up more and more of immigrants, racialized people, that kind of thing. And so, so there's a history of that division, but there's also, hey, actually, do you remember when, okay, before the British election, do you remember that guy, 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 somebody, Matthews, on no. Twitter and labor voices had this incredible incredible, um, piece of content. This, this ad with this guy named Guy Matthews, who's working class. And basically what he was saying was, look, I have no problems with, um, the immigrants who say I have problems with, I have no problems with the rate. What I do have problems with is basically what all of us want. We want access to X, Y, and Z Mm. to education, healthcare, so on and so forth. I truly believe on a fundamental level, that's true. Yeah. However, once politicians and media come into the mix, media needs to make its money um, by driving attention. Clickbait. Clickbait. Politicians need to be politicians. And, you know, politics is for the 50% plus one now. And so... Once you have those two strong motivations coming into the mix, it's very easy to stir up discontent.
0: Somehow we have flown through time. So we're coming towards the end, but I want to close out on a semi-charitable topic or uh, question. It, can we see anywhere some reason to be encouraged? Where are we making some progress on this?
1: Well, I really am encouraged It. To- Like, okay, Gen X is questionable, but anybody (laughs) who's millennial and younger is just looking at this from a different lens. The world really is changing and the generational change due to the internet is friggin' incredible. It's incredible. And this idea, okay, so why is it that, that political action only takes place at the voting booth? Like, I feel like there's this, there are like a few generations, Gen X and older, who like, a me- some white man came on my feed and came into my <laughs> mentions and was like, well, if people don't vote, whereas there's civic duty, I'm like, there are other ways to become politically engaged besides voting. Including more meaningful ways. And meaning more meaningful ways. But voting ways. Is,
0: the, is, is the final act. It's the final act in the per- act yeah. It's, in the, la- it's the last do. and the least thing exactly. you can do. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I'm like, well, what did you do? Well, I vote every time. And I'm like, what else do you do? <laughs> Crickets. Yes. Okay. So, I mean, that and I don't believe in... I'm just going to put this out there. I don't believe people should be, like, like adhere... Should adhere to any particular party. Sure. And I really do believe that the millennial vote is a much softer vote than than previous generations. party should have time. to work for it. They should work for yeah. it. Yeah. Like... All these people were like, I'm a such and such supporter. I'm like, no matter what, no matter like who they decide to pick as party leader, they could count on your vote. Really?
0: Well, it becomes an identity. I mean, I understand people who work for parties. I understand people who are bound up in the, you, know, you these things are organizations, I that, right? but, but, you know, people who, who don't, I mean, who average day to day people who have a party identity, I find fascinating. And that worries me because. Once you've become, once you identify with a party, yeah. it becomes a lens. That yeah. identity is part of a lens, and now you're not thinking through the world in the way that's,
1: exactly. That's
0: that's exactly. so. You think there's some hope in the next generation that looks at this and says, "Nah, we're gonna mess this up." We're
1: well, gonna- I think there's. I think you know you have. I I think you have a generation that's been exposed, hmm. exposed to like why is it that the most accurate reporting of this what soda issue has basically been on Twitter in addition to new media, new media organizations. Yes. In addition to new media, that to me, I think, I think Canadian traditional media really is having a set of moments that are creating a watershed. Yeah. The, they miss blackface. They miss the whole, um, the RCMP memo or internal investigation about taking out indigenous protesters with force, they miss that. And they miss this whole issue that's been going on for over a year. So it's not like it's new. Mm-hmm. And so as we lose if if we don't find what we're looking for there, we're going to go to vice and we're going to go and not to say the vice isn't doing great vice and ricochet sure. and abtn and they're doing great work are, yeah and better work than i've seen in mainstream
0: media. oh on the so on an issue especially at the start it was ricochet it was the narwhal yeah. it was the the thai, yeah was, uh, they ABTN. were on the ground yeah they were on yeah. The ground. yeah there was yeah
1: yeah so uh, you know it's like part of me Part of my sort of encouragement—I'm actually quite optimistic. Good. Quite part of my encouragement is that new media and the fact that we have this lens now, which is so exciting, right? It's exciting,
0: and we see the bullshit,
1: and we see the bullshit. I mean, this think yes. of
0: think of the way that that Oka was covered, yes. and what we saw coming out of Oka, or even Ipperwash in '95. Of,
1: can we just and- talk about? A golf course? I don't. Don't even are start. Are you it. even? I like, I am so upset right now. Yeah. That's about, why I was thinking. Okay. This is
0: why I was thinking of golf. Okay.
1: Because I was because <laughs> yeah, I was talking yeah. about it
0: today with somebody and how yeah, how yeah. A, over a, over a graveyard. Yeah,
1: over a great
0: Like I okay. okay. First of all, golf courses shouldn't exist. They they are they are wretched for the climate. They are uh, water socks. If you want, let some old park. You want to go dig a hole in some wild land and. Go for it. Yeah, but the fact that these things exist,
1: yeah, and that they're maintained. Can you imagine the expense of maintenance? Oh, I, I, or the the and resource the climate, expense? Yeah, exactly. The resources, it's, it's, the it's, land it's that could be used for, oh, I don't know, affordable
0: housing. Yeah, or it could return it to the people we stole it from. What? No? What? I don't want to be but I, but I, but the way we <laughs> but now we see a six-year-old being handcuffed. Now we see. RCMP pushing journalists around, we and we see it immediately because people are broadcasting it yeah. back to us. So I agree with you. That there is some hope and sense that yeah, th- it, there really is an ex. We, we are being exposed mm-hmm. in real time mm-hmm. to all of this stuff and
1: uh, unedited, unedited, yeah. And and and
0: would you know? Twenty years ago, would Desmond Cole's book have been a bestseller? I I don't know. I'm I I'm not sure. Would I'm we have had sure Black either. Panther? Become a smash hit? Would you know? I I don't. I don't know if there's. Are we seeing? And part of the of what I hope is a transformation is that capitalists, the people who are making market decisions, are looking and saying, "Oh, there's actually." The old argument is, "Well, this will never work," but it does work.
1: It works brilliantly. It works
0: extraordinarily well. Yeah. And does that open up new opportunities? for new voices and new perspectives to come and take up space?
1: If it opens up new gatekeepers, yes.
0: Oh, that's such a great spot to end on because it's a cliffhanger.
1: <laughs> You're going to have to have me back.
0: I would love to. Well, that that brings us to time. I, I could talk about this all day and, and we'll talk about it again sometime. But first of all, my thanks to you. Uh, Erica this is Phil. it was very very nice to have you Uh, Erica uh, is as I mentioned an economist writer entrepreneur and co-host of of Bad and Bitchy yeah and my thanks to Mira Ahmad as always who uh, I couldn't do this without who is I mean to be honest who does all the real work I just shuffle in here in the last five minutes and start talking (laughs) I I gotta say I'm I'm a B (laughs) plus Mira's Mira's an A plus And to everyone who listens all the way to the end, a special thank you to you and a challenge that if you are uh, somewhat like me in the ways that you might expect I'm thinking of, ask yourself how you're bound up in these systems and what you might do to make them more inclusive and productive for everyone. Thanks very much for listening. And we'll talk to you again uh, in a couple of weeks.